Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 312, Width and Panning. Indie Music Podcast now is a Patreon at patreon.com slash indie underscore musiccast. And we invite you to become a member for exclusive benefits. For next to nothing per month, you can get members-only podcast video, early access to upcoming episodes, merch, and more. This morning, Matt and I get together for coffee and discuss a listener-requested topic, Width and Panning. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. All right. <laughs> Second time's a Hey. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I don't know what that was about. I don't know. It was about... 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Computer needed to restart. But we, uh, we persevere. We get through these. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how's it going? It's going good. Thank you. How about yourself? Well, all right. Glad it's the weekend. Yes. Always <laughs> glad it's the weekend. <laughs> it's been a busy week. Long, busy week. You ever find yourself, you know, you're, you're just like, you're really focused on getting to Friday, you know, in the day, starting your weekend. And that's like, that's like the reason for everything that you're doing. <laughs> um, I have had that. Yeah. I did something dumb yesterday. Actually, um, I had a, I had a day off, but I scheduled myself a bunch of back to back meetings. And so it felt like it was a full day of work because I, failed to respect my own boundaries which i kind of only realized in retrospect that that was a bad thing like was that an oversight or you go well i'm not doing anything uh friday i'll just schedule all my meetings or what was it was a little of both and uh they all went long and they were all productive and good meetings but at the end of it i was like damn (laughs) it was such a nice day too (laughs) too nice of a day to be sitting on zooms and you know i don't know that was dumb (laughs) Anyway, Saturday now, another beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty centered. How about you? Um, much better now that everything seems to be working. <laughs> Knock on wood or whatever. Not feeling uh, like uh, out of balance, you know, too much left side or right side. Or... <laughs> We're stretching. We're stretching with the, uh, with the transitions now. Um, I'm feeling more in balance than I have uh, lately, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was feeling a little stretched, thin, a little stretched to the sides, and now I feel a little bit better, (laughs) a little more centered. Well, sometimes, you you know, you need to uh, um, really focus, you know, what's going on right up the middle. And, you know, and other times, (laughs) you know, the the way that things kind of work out together, um, it's better if you just have maybe some... Uh, you know, a wider path or something like that. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you can't tell today, <laughs> Chad, we are talking about with <laughs> panning and uh, balance in uh, mixes and masters. Yep. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> Which in a master, not a whole lot of panning work that I ever do. But no, I would imagine not. Balancing. Yeah. But that's uh, not in the context of, uh, of of panning now width is different in my context anyway um 
and and probably I, I don't know if it's that much different than what you might think of in context of mixing either but um but yeah panning is definitely something really specific and yeah um and uh, the the reason we are talking about this today is actually because we have a listener who requested that we maybe cover this so thank you to uh, I don't know who that was. Uh, I think Matt. Oh, that was our that was our friend Drew, who we actually interviewed uh, in our first season. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so thanks, Drew, for the uh, suggestion. And uh, so we are covering uh, panner, uh, panning and width today. Thanks to Drew. Yeah. So you generally, because uh, you're a mastering engineer, you generally get everything as a, as a stereo two track. Right. And um, when I think of you know panning and mixing, I immediately think of the you know, that theory of mixing the LCR, the left, center, right. And I always think of Chris Lord algae when I think of that, because that's like, that's like his, his preferred method, or at least the one he talks about the most. And that's where you kind of, those are your three fields. You either have stuff up the middle or you have stuff hard left and hard right. And that can make an exciting rock mix, but I do think it's kind of unnatural um, because that's not really how we hear things. We hear things like, you know, if you're standing in a, in a, you know, in front of a band, the band is in front of you and you're listening to the band and everything is kind of a, you know, sound across the whole field. Right. Right. And I think that the LCR really is kind of meant for headphones because it doesn't really, doesn't really, because once it's in speakers and out loud, right, it's going to be again in front of you in a, in kind of a wash of sound. And maybe it surrounds you if it's bouncing around the room, but yeah, um, that's not quite the same thing as a source, you know. Yeah, so and, and I don't really subscribe to that. I don't think. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not my style anyway. It's not my style either. You know, I. But uh, I'm curious how much you see as a when stuff comes to you as a stereo two track. Do you see a lot of uh, stuff, or should I say, hear hear a lot of stuff that comes in like LCR style or you know really really wide panned stuff anymore? Yeah, uh, I, I think. Things that stand out for me are when uh, there's there's bass frequencies that are that are panned, and mm. and to me, you know, uh, your your sub your bass uh, material is is really uh, mono, and having that directly up the middle um, supports that when listened to in mono, but uh, but you lose that material when you know if you are in stereo and and maybe on one side or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the listening position or something. So left side of the car, right side of the car or whatever. Right. You know, and, uh, and to me having the, the bass centered up the middle and focused is, is my preferred way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't really have a particular frequency in mind on that. It's, it's more, what are you feeling and what, what the material is and what you're hearing. It's probably somewhere in the, Oh, I don't know, in the two to 250 range, something like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, low mids are just a little bit below that, um, I think. And, uh, you know, that's subjective. So it just uh, depends on the material. But there's also should be some good reasons for panning, I think, Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and there's the old classic technique of doubling guitars. Right. I was going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. No, um, I, I do kind of like, I, I like. I don't like it, the LCR thing, the like the super wide panning as a as a general mix concept, but I like it as an effect. Meaning, I like it's it's pretty cool. Although it can be kind of um, you know, hackneyed is not the right word, but kind of like a 
convention or a, almost a cliche now when something comes in like really narrow and and tinny and then it kind of explodes wide i think that's kind of a cool way to play with uh mix width um yeah so I, painting I, as an effect as an effect like yeah. in an intro like a say a green day song you know when it starts out real small and yeah. then goes boom with the at when the drums and everything kick in yeah or, or sweet when panning. you hit a chorus yeah or when you hit a chorus and or a breakdown and then suddenly the the stuff that's like right here suddenly goes right here and it just adds a different kind of energy and and um a different kind of uh feeling to the whole song yeah that's cool i like that when that happens now another uh another thing would be um kind of uh your oral uh, space or the concept mm-hmm. of space in your mix mm-hmm. and that, that could be width and depth um and sure. uh but maybe the idea is that when replayed you'd like to have it uh represent you know especially if like it's a live recording where mm-hmm. the artists are positioned on you know it, on the stage um even if you True. don't know where right. they actually are you could like you know, creatively make that up and, and, you know, thinking in terms of, of like, uh, maybe there's a keyboard player and a guitar player, you know, and, uh, and the drummer and drums mm-hmm. are a nice, are a nice example because, uh, like Tom sweeping from left to right. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Classic, you know, classic and, uh, you know, and actually creating that, that spatial layout, you know, so we've talked about it before. We won't go into it now, you know, but just to mention it, depth. So maybe your drummer sits, sits further back than right. others, you know, so you can you can uh, control that with, you know, with the spatial effects, you know, um, the reverb or something like that, uh, you know, just to, to give them more depth. But right. um, uh, but yeah, so but back to the uh, the guitar thing, um, what, what did you have to say about uh you know, that old technique. Well, I just, I do like, I do like wide guitars. I just don't necessarily like them like fully 180 degrees, uh, except as an, uh, an occasional effect for like, I'm thinking of maybe a couple of tool songs where suddenly you hit a breakdown and then they just go boom. But, um, I don't know. I just feel like, well, first of all, I do like wide guitars cause they, they kind of set a bed for the rest of the music and they let you kind of focus on what's in the middle, which is usually the, the, the singer. And I, I think that that's kind of a, a key thing when you come to when it comes to panning is getting things out of the way. So there's you do it for effect, or you do it to get things out of the way of each other, and and but you still have to make sure that it all works uh, in mono, which is kind of like not because you're listening in mono, but because that's a way to make sure that things aren't stepping on each other, and it also makes sure that you can kind of hear everything clearly when you're in the next room or listening through a Bluetooth speaker or your phone or whatever. But I do tend to I do tend to pan things more like at 45, you know, like right about <laughs> it's hard to describe. I'm trying to show my hands and I know people are listening, but it's like not in front of you. And you know what? When I'm listening to songs and I'm like, where is that? And I'll like literally like I like close my eyes and I'll kind of like point to where I think it's sitting in the stereo field. I go, oh, okay, that's an interesting mixed choice, you know. And I do feel like, okay, I like things in the middle. You know, bass, singer. Um, I like guitars this wide to the side, but not 180 degrees. I like them like, you know, a little bit in from that. Uh, maybe like 45 degrees on the on the scale of my DAW, but that's really kind of like 
I don't know, probably 30 and 30. And then in between there, there's a nice space that you can put things like percussion and, uh, you know, the reverb from the opposite guitar, that kind of thing. And I just like filling out that, that whole stereo field, picturing like 180 degrees from your shoulders to the front of you. I don't know if any of this is making any sense. I just don't like limiting to myself to like front, left, and right. I like filling out that whole spectrum so that everything has a place. Sure. You know, picture a band or an orchestra. I mean, picture an orchestra. Like there's somebody at every every location through the whole across the stage. And and I do sometimes picture a band. Like okay, so the guitar is the guitar from where I'm standing. The guitarist is on the right. Bassist is on the left. Drummer is in the middle. Singer is walking around. You know, I kind of do sometimes picture that and I kind of like do things a little bit appropriately, although I do like the bass up the middle. So I did have a question for you. Speaking of bass, I know you do a lot of mid side and if you have the mid in the middle and you have the bass, but you want the bass to also have representation in the upper mid so that it translates to smaller speakers, do you still have that panned up the middle or do you spread that to the sides a little bit? Well, it, that is all p- subject to the material that I'm given. So okay. where is it actually positioned in the, in the mix? So mm-hmm. if, um, you know, I, I think that this would be, yeah, cause you're, you're thinking in terms, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, keep this, this, the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why I like bass guitar up the middle because up the middle doesn't mean that it's, it's not in the sides. Right. Okay. You know, um, but, uh, uh, um, it's, it's focused on center, but it's just not as loud in the sides because, you know, because, because of the way that it's, it's, it's done so that that material's still there. And then, uh, and then for me in, in the mastering stage, then I'd be working with specific frequencies and EQing to, to, to balance what I was looking for. Um, in terms of what, one thing I wanted to mention though, in terms of, of when I'm listening and, um, I tend to, react and make decisions based on, on pressure that I'm feeling in my ears. Oh. And, and I, and I feel a, uh, uh, what I can feel an imbalance of something where, you know, and, and this is probably like different from one engineer to the other. Okay. So, you know, you hire me, you kind of get the way that I hear and right. feel things, you know? Um, and so the way that it feels is as much important is as much as important to me as the way as it sounds. Okay. And uh, when I, you know, when there's an imbalance, and let's say there is a panning, let's say someone panned the bass, you know, to fifty percent left. Well, I feel that as um, as a much higher pressure on my left side. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know. For me, it's like, it's, that's uncomfortable, you know? (laughs) Um, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, where I'd like to, to go with it, you know? Um, and, but there's artistic choices and those may be artistic choices, you know, to do that. And, uh, in those cases, you know, I just gotta, uh, work with the material and the way that the artist intended for it to be, you know, or the mix engineer, if that's really what Mm -hmm. they were going for, but I might bring it up, you know, uh, as something, uh, a point of discussion, is this what you really intended uh, type of thing? And Yeah, that's good. You know, because your your listeners sitting on the right aren't going to get near as much of that material, you know, or, you know, if you're sitting in a listening room around your speakers and, and, and you're 
closer in proximity to the right side with the and the base is actually panned, you're not going to hear that the seam as you yeah. as you would in the center or the left, you know. So uh, you'll hear that you know that the base is stronger on the left, and and if that's what you want, then yeah, that would be the way to do it. Yeah, I've heard songs where that works, um, and I don't mean just like old like you know some weird Beatles mixes where they were just experimenting with stereo mixing. Um, but uh, I don't know, maybe Black Sabbath or something, something where where the bass isn't acting as a as an anchor. It's acting as an as a you know a melodic instrument and it's playing against the guitar and they're kind of in the same frequency and it does balance when you do it that way. There's also kind of a theory of, you know, imbalance in the mix can make a mix more interesting. Um, but I think that when they when that's done, it's done in terms of instruments panned to one side or the other, not one side being heavier in instrumentation than the other. I think that there's still an overall balance yeah. when you have a quote and that might, imbalanced mix. That might be restricted to just like the chorus or something too, where they make that change sure. and it's not, sure. you know, set the entire, you know, through the entire song. So it's, it's meant for um, uh, kind of a uh, spatial dynamic change, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Like it's not uncommon, for instance, for in a, in a song intro to have one, one element come in at a time and it may come in, Something comes in the middle, something comes in the left, it goes there for a while, something comes in on the right to balance it, and then the whole thing kicks in. That's not uncommon. Also, it's not uncommon for like a breakdown verse or a breakdown chorus where um, everything drops out except for one lone instrument maybe on the right. And it's supposed to make you feel um, maybe uncomfortable or unsettled, depending on the song, the program material, and, and what they're going for. So I think it should be done with intention when you're doing any kind of balance. And and serve the song and serve the program material. Yeah, and I, I like that idea because you know there's uh, an important aspect of of any song is uh, is tension and release, and right. you could certainly create tension by creating imbalance, you mm -hmm. know, and then having but having it resolve is important. Uh, yes, and so uh, so bringing that you know to a point where you balance again and and do that with. Uh, with the song structure, I think makes a lot of sense. So there's definitely a creative aspect to being able to to use it in that way too. If you really want to get outside and create that pressure that's unbalanced and you know that maybe goes with uh, with the way that your chord progression is, you know, or the or the dynamics of the song, then mm -hmm. uh, when your song resolves, which it normally always does, you know, I think right. maybe your balance in that kind of uh, situation should resolve too. Otherwise, you're leaving. Uh, tension out there unresolved yeah unless that was your intent but yeah. I, that's i don't think that's normally what how that goes i'm thinking of uh i think um faith no more sometimes and um there's a kaya song or two where like the singing is over on one side instead of in the middle and like it's balanced against uh like a bass or something it's like a very spatially disorienting yeah and i think that's part of the point i always for some reason Whenever I think of something hard panned to one side or the other without a matching, matching element on the other side, I always think of that story about um, the first, I think it was the first Van Halen record where things were panned to one side or the other. And uh, Eddie heard in some venue or some room where one of the speakers was not working properly, like he couldn't hear his guitar at all. And he got so upset about the concept of somebody not being able to hear any one element that they, they, basically vowed to not mix that way yeah. going forward. Yeah, that's a good example. I mean, even if uh even if the speaker was working and 
you are clear on the other side of the of the room, you're you're not going to get yeah. that material, or you might get it a little bit, but it's not going to be anywhere near what maybe it was intended to be. You know, mm-hmm. um, and because mm-hmm. of uh, you know of the playback in the environment, number of people that are in there could be hugely crowded. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, and prevent you from hearing it the way that the, the artist intended to. Oh yeah, that's an interesting point. Having a having stuff pan so hard that either you can't hear it from the other side of the room, or if somebody's standing in front of the speaker, yeah, you can't hear it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how common that is, but that's an interesting point. But yeah, the whole thing about the speaker being disconnected or whatever. Theoretically, you would hear that if it was all bounced down to mono, or if you were listening to it, say, on your phone out of your little tiny phone speaker or your Bluetooth speaker or whatever. Yeah. Now I had one I wanted to bring up, uh, I, th- I think is an effective approach. So uh, a lot of times we're dealing with instruments in, uh, in a composition that um, are taking up the same sonic space, you know? So mm-hmm. let's say we have a, a guitar and keyboards and oftentimes yep. it could be guitar and vocalist. Okay. And yeah, you know, those often sit in the same yeah. frequency range. Um, and this is where I think that, Selective panning, uh, 20, 25% or something like that is, mm-hmm. is great because you still have material coming up the middle. Um, right. And, um, but you can, as opposed to using EQ to carve out those specific spaces, you can pan one instrument. You could, you could pan like the, like the guitar 20% left and the keyboards 20% right or something like that and actually mm-hmm. get their own sonic space through panning, right. um, uh, which is a, a really uh, effective way to do that. If you, you know, if you're happy with the, with the individual EQs and you don't really want to carve them any further than yeah. what you have or something like that, you know, or in combination with, if uh, uh, you can certainly try moving things away from each other a little bit and widening them out and, and you'll find that uh, each one then gets its own space in its own channel. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I always feel like I never want to rely on that as the only way to separate things because I feel like if you're ever listening to it on a less than and wide um, audio source that you're you're still going to lose something in there. So I like to combine that even even with, if not EQ carving, then at least some kind of, you know, I don't know, distortion or saturation that frequency separates them so that you can still hear them distinctly even in say mono or on a bad or less than perfect audio source yeah now you mentioned midside earlier and and, um from the the mastering context this is how i can um easily tell what's going on in Mm -hmm. in a full mix by isolating the the different uh the different channels and um and listening to what material is actually taking up uh the majority of the space you know, in the center, the left panned or the right panned, you know, or left and right both, uh, and really mm-hmm. get a feel for what's going on there. And, and we talked about that before. And then it, it also gives me the ability to uh, work with that material independently in the mid or the sides, uh, mm-hmm. you know, separate from each other. Um, so that right. I actually have like an, a different EQ structure in the mids than I would on the sides, uh, which I think is really powerful. And yes. then bring those all back together and, and then uh, do a kind of a final EQ on the entire material set. For me, you know, with only working with two channels, having that type of refine uh, access to, to the 
you know, to the individual channels to work with. That's that's important, you know, because otherwise I'm very limited by not being able to uh, get into the the actual uh, instrument channels like the mix engineer can. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, and so well, maybe maybe let's take that a step further. And I think we touched on this last time when we talked about midside. Do you make any? That's kind of loaded, but do you make an effort to enhance the width, or do you feel like the width that it comes to you as a mix is is what you feel like they were aiming for, and you want to kind of get as close to that as possible, or do you just let the the work you do on mid side and whatever width enhancement that naturally adds, do you just let that be the final mix enhancement in terms of the spread in the end? Yeah. That makes sense. So, so the way that I do it, the uh, the the final width of the material ends up being a product of my process, and mm-hmm. I think that most uh, deliverables that come to me, uh, the uh, the artists or the or the engineers are really hoping that I'm going to be able to enhance the stereo image uh, from okay. from what they have. I think you know that's kind of a hope that when it comes. Uh, through my desk that when it, when it, when done the um you know that image is going to be enhanced from what uh, uh what they sent me and so not that it might i think that was the question behind my question yeah. thank you for <laughs> yeah interpreting no that. I, I i tend to find that um and i and i actually request don't put any stereo imaging on the on the mix bus before you you send it to me, take that stuff off because that's really my job, and and I do let my my uh, clients know that. That's um, you know I, I have a document that I, I give everybody that uh, that says how to prepare your your mix for mastering, you know, and that's one of the things is is you know uh, remove any limiting, remove you know any stereo imaging uh, plugins and things like that um, from the uh, you know from your render so that mm-hmm. now I don't mind if you have those type of things on individual tracks that doesn't affect me as right. much. Um, but, but just not on your, your master bus. Cause otherwise I really lose control. Um, if those things mm-hmm. are on there and then we're, we potentially limiting over limiting and, uh, right. and that, um, you know, if I get something that's already brick walled, I, I don't have any control over dynamics then, right. You know, there's nothing to, uh, left, you know, because it's all cut off. Yeah, but anyway, the uh, um, the stereo image is something that I like to uh, say that that's my ballpark. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do sometimes. I feel like sometimes I'll get something in and go, okay, this could stand to be a little wider. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm don't, gonna work on. Don't that. confuse that with panning, though. Um, no, no. I mean, pa- you're right. panning is integral with the stereo image. So, so don't get me wrong on that. But. Um, but when I when I get that material and and how it's actually presented, it could be too wide, um, or you know, it's it's just it, everyone's different. And define too wide because you're getting a stereo two track. What would do, what would what would look what would sound too wide in a two track? Well, that would be. Well, I think first off is if I feel like there's too much bass out to the sides, and and oh, we're yeah. losing. Um, I check everything in mono, and and yeah. let's say that it's it's. Um, degraded uh, in, in mono because of overpanning. Um, you can get the same thing from uh, overuse of uh, stereo imaging plugins. 
and yeah, kind of that fold yeah. down or whatever. Um, right. And uh, yeah, that's what I really, I, oh, that, that makes me cringy yeah. <laughs> when and, I get that, like that fold back feeling like you went too far yeah. with your, the sub stereo. So that's what I'm talking about with, uh, uh, you know, too wide or. Yeah. Um, what the heck was I just about to say? Um, oh, when you say, you know, Hey, don't give me a, you know, don't give me your two track with, you know, stereo enhancing and, and limiting. I actually, I like to have that in hand along with the, like the one that's not, you know, limited and compressed so that I can say, okay, so this is what you kind of want to, this is what you're going for. This is basically what you would like it to sound like, but better. And so, okay, so give me what you have without the stereo enhancement and the limiting, and I will make it sound like that. Um, yeah, but better. <laughs> yeah, I do that sometimes, but uh, oftentimes I, I don't, I don't know. How do I want to put it? I, I want to have, I want to have my signature in it too. Sure. And my creative element that's contributing to the production. Yep. And sometimes when I, when I get that and I hear it, it, it kind of pollutes the way that I, that I would ordinarily, you know, work with something. You know, and yeah, yeah. and, and it, it makes me go for things in ways that that may not be the best uh, uh, way to serve the music because I'm OK, you know, it, it might be contrary to what I think I should do so that mm-hmm. I can meet an expectation of what I think uh, someone else is going for. And yeah, and I don't know if that's necessarily right. I mean, you know, because, again, um, being hired for what I do mm-hmm. um, and. You know, I'd like I'd like to think that when done, you'll have a listen, and then we could uh, discuss where we're at compared to what you were thinking. That works right. a lot better for me because then I'm dealing with my work. Yeah. Um, and if we have a revision to uh, address stereo image, I, I don't can't even really think of when I've had a revision to address. Ste- uh, the, the only times I've ever had uh, uh, requests for revisions on stereo images was when I was back when I was using stereo image plugins. Oh, I see. But really the effect on stereo image through the process that I use in midside, uh, we, we've had another episode on that. Um, mm-hmm. It's so subtle and, and it's stacked. Um, it yeah. happens in, in, in different layers. Uh, so it's, it's not like one plugin handling all of it in in one pass of the of the audio you know and where it's really easy to overdo it it's hard to hear and um in the in the end result doesn't to me seem to be as consistent across or translate across uh different systems as well as yeah, the, as the subtleties that. on uh that you have with stacked uh midside uh processing and that would be you know through uh um you know, layers of, of EQ and compression. And so it's just subtle and, and a series of small, subtle steps for me has always uh, reaped better results in the end than, um, than, you know, using, uh, the, the stereo plugins and, uh, yeah. And I want to say that's probably because it's really a true width as opposed to a psychoacoustic trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I really can't explain it. I just, uh, I like it better. And, yeah. um, it, it feels more natural. Yeah. And I think that the, the, I think you're right. And the natural aspect of that, I think other people like too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I, I get comments back, wow, the stereo image, it's, it's, it's really good and wide, but it, it you know, it, it's not overdone. And, you know, mm-hmm. in, in contrary to that, I, I didn't have as much consistency with that kind of feedback 
with stereo image plugins. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I just was never happy. I don't know that I really, uh, I don't trust them, you know, especially if you're using like the presets or wizards and things like that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then trying to dial them in. I don't know it. And you never get that, uh, that same part of the process that you get when you're thinking in, in the context of midside, where you can really focus in on the different areas that, you know, of the, of the panning of the, of, you know, you're working with the, the, the image and in, independently in its sections, you know? Um, right. And so having that control, I think is a lot better. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like people probably can't, they go, I can't put my finger on it, but this just sounds better, like naturally wider. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe until you hear it side by side, but I, I feel like the, the stereo pan plugins, because they, they, Oh, they're probably better now using more midsize stuff, but the the older ones are definitely more about the Haas effect, which is like offsetting left and right by um like thirty to forty milliseconds. Yeah, so that you hear one, and that that doesn't really that doesn't really translate in, in mono very well. No, and so it's a psychoacoustic trick that really only works um in headphones. I think it's and a good trick, you know, and it's a good trick, definitely useful, but it's a trick. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little, it's a little sleight of hand in your ear, and it's just not the same as true width enhancement. I don't think, which is what you get through the midside. Yeah. So now, if you want more about midside, we do have a full episode about that where uh, Doug goes into depth on uh, the the process of of midside processing and how you balance your your stereo bus with uh, you know subtle enhancements uh, through across the frequency range. It's very cool. It's a good episode. Yeah, and I, and I like that, and I think in terms of of end result, the subtlety is where it's at, and mm -hmm. and I don't know if if you found that out to be true, is that it, it's it's like the the sum of all the tiny little things that you do, yes, makes so yeah, much yeah. bigger difference than having like one great big thing that you do all at once, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Now I uh, you are a little bit more as a mastering engineer, you're handed the two track, and so everything you do is more of a subtle enhancement yeah and then they add up whereas you know as a mixing engineer my my strokes are broader right and, and i don't get as down into the micro because i'm you know balancing whole instruments and their whole eqs and all of the different tracks against each other and so those are kind of macro moves right yeah so but it adds up did we cover panning okay do you think <laughs> i think we did i think we did <laughs> drew i hope that uh that helps <laughs> <laughs> yeah why guitars are fun but uh, I don't think either one of us is a fan of the LCR thing. Did we actually talk about the guitar thing? We have a whole episode on that like <laughs> in season one. <laughs> I don't like rehashing stuff. All right. Um, I like them. I like them for effect and I like them as a, as a bed, especially those, you know, those um, tool like rhythm guitars that set a bed for the, the melodic instruments and the, and the, the drumming and the melody. Yeah. So before we close, was there anything specific that Drew asked that we didn't cover? Nope. Okay. Nope. Excellent. Don't think so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Another everyone. Another one in the books. Another one in the Have books. Have a great week. Have a great week. All right. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>